Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hayden. I'm working at- An Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on the Chuck and Julie Show. Well, hello, everyone. Chuck and Julie. Chuck Bono, Julie Hayden. Truth straight up, as always. And it's brought to you by... By uh, americacitizenpress.com. Great conservative website. And Denver Cynogenics and Dr. Julie McCallan. Um, a lot is always going on today. Um, we're going to have um, Dr. John Lott Jr. coming up here in a second. Um, has some new and pretty interesting research regarding the 2020 election. Certainly raises uh, raising questions. Um, and then also coming up at 3.30, we're going to have Jimmy Mack, who is one of the counters. Um, we, we had a very successful CD8 assembly over the weekend. Huge congratulations to Anil Mathai. It was first first one ever because it's a new congressional district. It was great turnout. Um, all the people we wanted won. So. <laughs> I mean, Lori well, Sane won, and uh, she um, beat Jules Gray. And Jules, I thought, did a great job of presenting herself and doing but she didn't quite get enough to make the thirty percent threshold. Uh-huh. But, uh, but it was it was a it was a robust uh, turnout and and a lot of enthusiasm and. Um, a lot of election integrity on how everything was carried out. Right, that's what I wanted to talk to Jimmy about, because you may or may not know there's the, the state assembly is coming up on Saturday, and there are some people pushing um, to not have Dominion machines counted, which I don't think they were going to anyway. But They're to, have clickers. Um, but do I have a paper ballot? And that's what they did here at CD8. Wanted to talk to Jimmy about how that went. And again, Anil was extremely organized, right? We had no, no voter fraud, no illegal. The first ballot, there was a little bit of an issue um, with like four out of hundreds, right? And um, and then after that, people were like, oh, I guess I better pay attention to how mm-hmm. to vote, what the rules are. Um, and they did, and it went just fine. Well, I'm not sure people knew the rules. Huh? So they could have been explained a little better. Um, um, okay. And then we're also going to have Peg Cage talk. Now, you may, if you read the Denver Post and you listen to any of the corporate media, um, think that there are no questions about the 2020 election. And if you have those questions, just like the climate, just like the Hunter Biden laptop, just like the Russia hoax, you are a denial. Denier. denier. You're a denier. Election um, denier. Election denier. Um, well, those old election deniers, Peg Cage and that group of people who actually are asking legitimate questions um, are having a debate. And Peg's going to bring us up to date on that. But that's just one of the things I want to talk about with Dr. John Lott. I mean, there you hear so much. The Denver Post had a big story, a bunch of clerk and recorders from across the country, coincidentally, many of them Democrats, held a news conference yesterday because there is going to be a news conference and a rally talking about the election. Election. And they again, they said they wanted to put on record that the election deniers are crazy and no one is allowed to ask questions about the election. All right. Well, we've got John Lott Jr. on us in line three. John, welcome to the program again. Great to hear from you. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, let me real quick, John, you know, he's a researcher, he's a, uh, a columnist, he's got a great book out, we've talked to him about that before, Gun Control Myths, he runs the Crime Prevention Research Center, he had a great study that was published in, uh, published in Public Choice, um, where, and I'm just going to let you explain it, John, and this was in the Washington Times, was where we read this story too. Either that or the examiner, I'm not sure. But, but anyway, John, why don't you explain what you were looking into regarding the 2020 and election, and what you found out. 
Sure. Well, just from my own background, uh, I've been an academic most of my life. Uh, I've had positions at the Wharton Business School, University of Chicago, Stanford, uh, Yale, and uh, most of my academic research has actually been on voting and vote fraud and voting machines and stuff. I've published several dozen uh, peer-reviewed papers in that area. And uh, I was working at the U.S. Department of Justice when the election occurred. And given my background, uh, it kind of made sense that I would look at this issue. Now, one of the big problems, people hear about all the court cases that are there, but the court cases really never looked at the issue of, of illegality or fraud. What happened was is Republicans would go in and say, look, the election laws were broken, and the judges extremely often would say, yeah, you know, there were problems with it, but if we're going to do anything about it, you have to show us up front that there was enough fraud that would go and change the outcome of the election. And so what happened was the Republicans would respond by saying, well, uh, we weren't allowed to observe very well what was going on with the vote counts. There were lots of problems with that, too. And so we're going to need to have discovery in order to make our case there. And the judges would say, look, we're not going to grant discovery. We're not going to go down this road unless you can show us up front that there was enough fraud to go and change the election. And, uh, you know, there are other issues there, too. But um, uh, so what I – so Republicans were kind of caught in a catch-22. And so what I tried to do is to think up empirical tests that could get a measure of the amount of problems that were occurring with the votes. And there's – in this uh, peer-reviewed paper that's uh, forthcoming in Public Choice – and people can get a copy of it to look at it at our website at crimeresearch.org, crimeresearch.org. Uh, I offer three tests for it. Uh, the first test, the first two are very similar. Um, you have some counties where fraud was alleged, and they're right next to other counties where nobody's making any allegations that fraud have, has, alleged, has occurred. Now, one of the problems with comparing full counties is that there are lots of things that vary across a county. If you're looking at Fulton County in Georgia versus, let's say, Cherokee County, which is next door, there there are huge differences in the demographic makeup as you move across uh, Fulton County. uh, They can make it very different from uh, a neighboring county that's there in terms of the type of people who may want to turn out, the type of people you may want to focus on in terms of get out the vote. And the same thing, let's say, for Allegheny County, which is Pittsburgh in uh, Pennsylvania. You have Allegheny County right next to a county like Westmoreland. So what I wanted to do was, rather than compare the whole counties, was to look at individual precincts uh, that are right on the border, that are right across the street from a precinct in the county where there's no allegations being made. And, uh, you know, so for Allegheny County in Pennsylvania, you have 1,323 precincts. So you're talking about very small geographic areas that are just right across the street from other really small geographic areas. And what you find is that in 2016, these areas tended to vote essentially the same. I mean, you're talking about a percentage point difference in terms of who they voted for and either uh, the in-person votes or the absentee ballots that were there. They're very similar 
in terms of demographics and income and other things. I mean, you could literally walk across the street right. in most of these places, and you'd have no idea that you'd just walk from one county to another. And uh, and so what I wanted to do was to see uh, not just what happened in the 2016 election, but then to go and look at the 2020 election. What you find is that, again, the in-person votes tend to be very similar, uh, extremely similar. But uh, the absentee votes in the county where fraud was alleged, because the in-person votes are counted at the precinct level, the absentee ballots are counted uh, centrally, uh, you see a huge difference. You walk across the county. And so, you know, the issue is, well, you know, maybe they just had some get-out-the-vote effort. But the thing, these are statewide elections. If you have two precincts that are literally across the street from each other, two small, tiny, homogeneous areas that are extremely similar in how they vote and how they're registered and their demographics, you know, if there's certain types of people, they're going to respond to get out the vote. And, and if, let's say, Democrats don't want to vote in person, they're more likely to want to vote by mail, well, you know, presumably that's going to be Democrats on both sides of the street. Right, there. right. And so that's not going to explain it. And then I also looked at provisional ballots, and this was extremely strong evidence, I thought, that uh, there were, in Pennsylvania, there were allegations that uh, – uh, certain counties, when people would send in um, absentee or mail-in ballots, they hadn't properly filled things out, like they hadn't signed the outside of the envelope, for example, and therefore the the vote couldn't be counted. And the allegation was is that in these heavily Democratic counties, they would go and when people made mistakes, they would be called up and asked to fix them. Uh, if they were Democrats, Democrat voters, people who were registered as Democrats, would get calls and be asked to fix it. And the problem is, when you look across the street uh, in Republican counties, even though the precinct right across the street is essentially identical in terms of being Democrats or what have you, those counties didn't make those calls. And the reason why they didn't make those calls, and nobody's alleging that they did, uh, was because it's against the law for uh, these election officials to call up these people to give them a second chance to vote. And it's particularly wrong if they just called up people, Democrats. like if the Republicans only called up Republicans, and it's right. true that the Democrats only called up Democrats to try to get these fixed. And so what you find... What, what law that did just, that specifically violate? Because I know here in Colorado... In Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, in Denver, that's exactly what they do. They care now. They may even, they even may even call Republicans. But the fact that you know they don't, the Republicans are only fifteen percent. If you called a hundred right, people, sure. eighty-five would be Democrats. There are no right. counties well, that are majority Republicans in Colorado that call you up to tell you your ballot is is uh, uh, flawed in some manner. Um, right. And yet, that's almost never brought up because let's face it, you because know, you're a denier. Yeah, if you're denying, denying. But, but because you have a media that's totally controlled by the left in Colorado. Well, it's, mainstream media seems to be controlled pretty much in general right now. Right. Uh, I'm not wanting to talk about this stuff. So, so what you anyway, <clears throat> so anyway, if you look at uh, Allegheny County and uh, and Philadelphia counties, 
two, just two of the counties just for provisional votes, uh, you find uh, you find almost 7,000 more votes for Biden just from that one type of ballot, just from uh, those two counties. Right. And uh, so, and then the third test that I looked at was uh, was to try to see uh, what happened to voter turnout. Uh, what you find is that, um, you know, if you have ineligible people voting or you have vote buying or you have other similar types of issues, you may get more people voting than you have votes, you know, than you should have. And right. so the turnout will be higher. And so I looked at uh, all the uh, uh, turnout rates by county in mm -hmm. uh, the nine uh, swing states. And what you found was that um, uh, generally more Democratic counties had no change or even a slight drop in turnout relative to 2016, uh, ex except for the counties where fraud was alleged. And in those counties, you had huge increases in turnout, 25, 30 percent. Uh, over what it was uh, wow. in the previous uh, uh, presidential election. And, uh, you know, so you have counties like in Ohio, which was a swing state, like uh, you have counties like, um, you know, Franklin County where Columbus is or the counties for Cincinnati or Cleveland. Uh, and you could compare them to counties in, uh, in Pennsylvania, like Allegheny County, or in Michigan, like uh, uh, Wayne County where Detroit is. Uh, you would think this is a state that Democrats and Republicans are battling over. Shouldn't you expect to see a big increase in turnout there, too? And yet you don't. Or you can look at Fulton County and compare it to Mecklenburg or, uh, you know, Dade County in Florida or Broward or whatever. And uh, it's just in those counties where fraud was alleged that you see these huge increases in turnout. Yeah, that's amazing. It is. Well, and, and so, yeah, and I mean, that kind of matches with some of the stuff that, that, and we'll be talking about that later, if not today, then on Wednesday, that True the Vote was finding regarding sort of the ballot traffickers. So, so bottom line, what you're fine, what you said, what you found is when you look at precincts that are essentially right across the street from each other, so you're talking the same demographics. Coincidentally, when you look at the mail, that the vote in person was pretty much the same as 2016, but the, the but the mail in ballots was significant, like 20, 30 percent higher suddenly. And when you look at the counties, you're saying where there was fraud alleged and all the rest of the state, Things were pretty much similar with what you would expect, but in the counties where fraud was alleged, always right, you had in terms this of the turnout. Right, you had this right, big but the significant in issue. So what? What do your detractors say? Well, you're a wrong. denier, John. You're a denier. We've what? already proven, just like the Hunter Biden laptop, that this is not true. So what? What do your right. your detractors say is wrong with your analysis? Uh, right. Well, um, I just got. <laughs> a paper by a couple of people that are looking at it and uh you know uh they claim that they don't get any differences in turnout they claim that they ran the exact same specification that I did um I you know I reran it this morning and I get the same results so I have no idea I mean they got the data from me they even thanked me on the front page for giving it to them uh the very day that they asked for it and uh, but you know if they had had trouble uh, replicating my work, they could have uh, 
Called you, you up? Know, they could have uh, you called work? me up or talked to me about it. Uh, just like I gave them the data, I'd be happy to talk to them about it. But I didn't hear anything from them. And uh, um, But, you know, I make the data available to anybody who wants to look at it. And so others can go and, and check what I've done. You know, they well, don't need think, to take my word well, for it. Well, the you're doing it, because I think one of the mistakes, and I'll talk about this again either later today or tomorrow, that Republicans made initially – um, although I think the Democrats were going to try to destroy anybody who questioned the election anyway. But I think you're just saying, hey, these are, these are the facts. You're not saying... Yeah, well, look, you... look, let me make one thing clear. <clears throat> I'm not trying to relitigate the 2020 election. Right. I don't think that that's going to be productive at this stage. My concern is trying to deal with future elections and to make right. sure that the types of problems that we had in the 2020 election don't reappear. And, well, that's, uh, that's the whole point. You know, lots of... more states, uh, Illinois and California, are, have moved to mail-in ballots. Um, right. uh, Colorado has mail-in ballots. You right. know, you have some real issues there. And one of the things I do at the beginning of the paper, which I really haven't had anybody uh, respond to or deal with at all, is to look at the international data on how other countries have anti-fraud rules, because lots of them have used to have rules similar to the United States, but they experienced a large amount of fraud, and so they became very restrictive. So you, you look at Europe, for example. 40, there are 47 countries in Europe. Uh, I point out in the paper, 46 and a half of them require government-issued photo IDs for people to be able to go and vote. Uh, the one exception is part of the United Kingdom, but even now they are moving to be like the rest of the continent that's there. And uh, you look at absentee ballots. 35 of the 47 countries in Europe completely ban, 35 completely ban absentee ballots because of concerns about fraud and vote buying. Uh, another 10 allow absentee ballots but they will not send them in the mail because they're worried about the ballots being stolen. Right. Uh, they require that you have to come in person to go and pick them up, and you have to go and show a government-issued photo ID for you to be able to go and pick it up. And, and six of those ten countries will also uh, only limit it to people who are in the military or in the hospital at the time of the election. Uh, so, I mean, you look at... Europe. You, you look at other countries. You look at our neighbors, Mexico and Canada. Both require government-issued photo IDs. Mexico well, they have more than that. I lived in Mexico. I lived in Mexico for a while, and mm -hmm. I knew the mayor, and there were, so I got. They did me the the honor, I guess, of of being able to monitor the election there. And there was a big election, very hotly contested. But what was shocking about what what they do is they not only require a photo government-issued photo ID. Well, they also have your picture. They're <laughs> looking at that picture and comparing it to the picture in your photo ID. They're, gonna, they're right. not going to just say, you're John Jones, and say, here's my fraudulent ID with my picture. They look at that, wait a minute. Like your vaccine card. Yeah, John Jones is 98 and you're 12. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, I mean. Right, no, the right. They look at your picture and they have your thumbprint there. Yeah, right. they have so, that too, because you have to put that down. So. Right. Well, what, John, what do you uh, think is, and now you may not want to go here, because, I again, 
I, I think what's so important is to just get this facts out because like you say, they, they, they'll all say there's no evidence, no evidence, no evidence. And I've been comparing it to like the Leslie Stahl, Donald Trump interview where he kept trying to talk to her about the evidence with the Hunter Biden laptop. And she said, we can't talk about it because <coughs> there's no evidence. And he'd say, well, let me show you the evidence. She said, and she's, not, she said it wasn't verified. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't. But in something like this, but so if, I mean, I understand if you don't want to go here, but let me ask you this. What do you theorize was going on? What, why was there? What were the factors, do you think, that led to there being so many more, such a much higher turnout in the counties and the precincts where fraud was alleged? Well, I mean, look, uh, there's obviously something strange going on there. Yeah. And I don't, you know, one can maybe look more really strong evidence that uh, that uh, one has to be careful about those types of voting. You know, we had issues about observers being able to go and observe what was going on, and that shouldn't be the case. You shouldn't ha- make it so difficult for people to be able to go and check those types of things. Right. And so, you know, I, I, my concern is the future. I don't want people to uh, be fearful about the elections. But there's a reason why all these other countries have rules. Um, you know, if, if concerns about fraud are a delusion, then it's a delusion shared by, you know, the, <laughs> the, the rest world. of the world. Right. It's not just a delusion that's shared by people in the United States. And so, you know, the, but one thing I also try to point out in the paper is that the interesting thing to me is that when you look at these other countries, there's agreement across the political spectrum in terms of having these anti-fraud rules. Uh, you look at uh, Northern Ireland, for example. Margaret Thatcher, who was a conservative, in 1985 implemented the first ID requirements for Northern Ireland voters. Tony Blair, who headed the Labor government in 2002, uh, was concerned that the IDs were being counterfeited. Uh, and so what he did was he adopted a much more tamper-proof government-issued ID that was there. And, uh, you know, I, I think he will claim that he was right, that there was maybe 11% of the people who were registered to vote in Northern Ireland weren't real people. Huh. And uh, mm-hmm. afterwards, uh, uh, there were some enterprising academics who talked to, like, the leader of Sinn Féin, political party there, after the statute of limitations had run out. And he basically bragged about how they had whole armies of cab drivers ferrying people from one polling place to another, because wow. basically the only way you could get caught is if you went to the same polling place multiple times. Right. They had printing presses that they had set up in order to create fake IDs for people. They had safe houses that people could go to to change clothes and wigs oh and what have you when they went to go and vote from one place to another. Um, you look at Mexico. All the parties in Mexico, all the three big parties at least there, all like the 1992 uh, anti-fraud reform. You know, and I'll just mention one other thing about Mexico because People often talk about turnout rates. Not only did they adopt these IDs that we've just been talking about, but they also banned absentee ballots in 1992, completely banned them, whether you were living inside or outside the country. Uh, And then on top of that, uh, what they did was they made it very difficult to get the IDs. 
you couldn't apply by mail. You had to go in person to go and apply for the voter ID. Uh, and then you had to go back a second time in order to go and pick it up. And the, and the problem is, is that in almost all the Mexican states, there was only one registrar's office. So wow. in some of those states, you may have to travel 75 miles each way in order to get your voter ID. Well, what do you think happened to voter turnout? Do you think it plummeted with making it so difficult and costly uh, for people to go and get these IDs and requiring that they have to have these IDs? No, it, it soared. In the wow. three presidential elections prior to 1992, the average voter turnout was 59%. In the three presidential elections afterwards, uh, they had a voter turnout of 68%. So that's a nine percentage point increase there. Well, it's it, uh, obvious why, because Mexican elections had been rigged ever since the revolution yeah, right. in 1916, and now it, it actually counted. It counted. Your yeah. vote actually yeah, counted. Exactly. before. The, exactly. the, uh, well, and you look at here in Colorado, we have motor voter, right? So, I mean, if you register your car, whether you're here legally, illegally, whether you're, you know, have cars all over in every state in the country, you're just automatically registered and it's mailed to wherever your car, or to wherever that came in from, right? How, how hard is it to do this analysis? Yeah. Well, I mean, I have to, I, when I put the precinct level data together, I basically had to... Uh, Sit down with a lot of maps to because most counties just kind of have their own maps and you have to map you have to kind of um, link it in by hand right. Uh, right. with the counties next door. Uh, so you know you have to look at the streets and kind of see which streets divide the different precincts and kind of because you know sometimes you may have one precinct that's across the street from two or you may have you know one to one or whatever but you have to go and it just it just took a lot of hours uh, yeah. to get the maps and to go through and match the precincts. And then, of course, the precinct boundaries changed between sure. year to year, uh, particularly right. between 2016 and 2020, because 2020 was such an unusual election in many places due to COVID that uh, it just it just it was a lot of work. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd be fascinated if if. Uh... You had an extra hour or two. Um, if you did a comparison of of Denver and uh, uh, Boulder and the adjoining counties, because I have a feeling you'll see an enormous uh, an enormous differential there too. Where Donald Trump in 2016 lost by four points, um, in 2020 he lost by close to 15. And there's nothing uh, in nothing Colorado, yeah. nothing that that would say that Donald Trump had suddenly all of a sudden gotten. 10 points less popular. Um, right. And so I really wonder. Well, who that... knows? I mean, I haven't looked at that, so I can't really say. But, but you know, the, the same problems of Denver. Yeah, no, like, it could very well be. I, you know, I, I, until I look at the data, I don't really want to say anything about it. But, you well, know, it's, a... it's sure. Look, there's no reason. I, I think there's. I think there are real reasons why you should be cautious about mail-in votes, and right. uh, there's a reason why there's a reason why virtually all the rest of the world, or the vast majority of the rest of the world, bans absentee ballots. Completely bans them for people living in the country. You have more countries that allow for people living outside the country, but even though, even about a third of Europe, for example, 
bans absentee ballots for people living outside the country. If you want to vote and you're living outside the country, then you have to go to either the embassy or uh, a a consulate. And then they'll have a little voting booth for you, and you can go and and vote there. But, um, uh, you know, you you have France, for example. France used to have uh, absentee ballots like what we have. But what they discovered was that uh, back in 1975, I guess some people had gotten a guilty conscience and <laughs> and went to the uh, local prosecutors and said, look, we have hundreds of thousands of votes being bought on the island of Corsica. Wow. Uh, we have dead people that are doing You know, one, one last point I'll just make, and that is um, I, I don't think people know the history of voting in the United States. Uh, you know, we didn't have secret ballots until the first state to adopt secret ballots was Kentucky in 1882. The last state to move to secret ballots was South Carolina in 1950. And uh, do you know that when states moved to secret ballots that there was about a 12 percentage point drop in the rate that people voted? You know Uh why? Do you know why? Uh Uh-uh. Because the way they used to do elections is you'd have a ballot box up in the front of the room, and you would take colored pieces of paper for your party, and you'd drop it in the box, and there would be a representative for each political party on either side of the box, and they would see how you voted. And then they would pay you. And so uh, when when you move to secret ballots, they couldn't pay you for voting anymore because they couldn't be sure how you voted. And so well, the biggest problem, a the number biggest of people, is, when they were no longer getting paid for how they voted, didn't vote. And so you had this big drop in the rate that people voted. But, but because of that experience, because of that history, because people knew about all the vote buying that was occurring, that's the reason why we had a lot of the voting laws that we had, like banning absentee ballots or making right. them extremely restrictive or going – in uh, in banning things like ballot harvesting, Uh, those types of things. But as memory faded, as the decades went by and people kind of forgot the experience that we had had with things like vote buying, we gradually began to loosen up uh, the rules on things like absentee ballots. Because absentee ballots and vote harvesting allow you to kind of go back and do the vote buying again. Somebody can go to your door, and they can see you, and they can see right there how you're going to vote. They can verify it. But but you have one party whose entire, virtually its entire existence has depended upon um, vote rigging. I'm the Democratic Party, whether it's down south, uh, where they prevented blacks from voting, or it was in places like Boston or New York, where I'm from, which is enormous amount of crooked voting. I mean, your average Democrat thinks any restriction racist, uh, is, suppression. well, it's, it's voter suppression. And I've worked in nonpartisan campaigns with uh, volunteers from both parties. And the Democrats, you had to stop them from cheating. You go, <laughs> no, you can't cheat. Can't do that. I mean, what do you mean we can't cheat? Of course we can cheat. We're supposed to cheat. We're Democrats. And so, you know, I mean, so you have just a minimal, minimal uh, restrictions imposed by Georgia. I'm not sure the restrictions, but slight tightening, and all of a sudden. Well, yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah. Them. I mean, let's talk about the big brouhaha's last year. So you have, you have Georgia, 
What were people so upset about? What they were upset about was Georgia wanted to require that people had to put the last four digits of their Social Security number on their absentee ballots. Well, here's the thing. All Americans have a Social Security number. It's not a question of whether you go and apply for it or not. In fact, many non-Americans have Social Security numbers. And so, you know, and presumably everybody knows their Social Security number. They're going to get Social Security checks at one point in their life, and most people have it memorized, uh, surely the last four digits anyway of their Social Security number. And, um, uh, and, but uh, obviously that was the end of the world. That was Jim Crow right. too, to go right. and require that uh, a number that everybody has have the last four digits be put on it. Um, you, you know, in Texas, what got everybody so upset in Texas? Well, the reason why the Democrats walked out of the state house there was because uh, of these uh, ballot boxes uh, in Harris County, Texas, which is Houston. Right. Uh, Republicans wanted to have a rule that said you could only leave the ballot boxes out between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. Uh, you know, so it's basically 16 hours during the day. You could leave them out, and, uh, uh, and you had to monitor them when they were left right. out. I cannot find another country in the world that doesn't have strict chain of custody rules with right. regard to ballot boxes. Every other country in the world, they don't even talk, think about this type it's of stuff because they want to make sure that the person who puts the ballot in the ballot box is the person whose name is on the ballot. Well, neither uh, U.S. Ballot corporations nor, nor the Democratic Party believe want that. That's just so. They can't cheat the election and... and because they love cheating is it's in their DNA. Um, and Republicans are so squeamish to even make the most basic ones. And when they do, the Democrats either buy in the all-star game from your state or, or all of a sudden all the legislators uh, leave the state. Well, I and mean, they just, they crack down. Hey, listen, John, we've got to let you go. Where can people, because this is a great yeah, report, where great. can people go and take a look at it? Well, it's on our website at crimeresearch.org, crimeresearch.org. And we have a lot of other type of information on vote fraud and voting rules in other countries. If you click the little uh, uh, link there that says vote fraud, you'll see all the different reports and stuff that we put out, too. Beyond The paper in public choice is right at the top of the page, though. All right. So thank thank you for doing this, number yeah, one. And, and also just thank you for your time today. Really appreciate yeah, it. Great report. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. That's Dr. John John Lott Jr. there, crimeresearch.org. Well, I, I you're you're absolutely right. There's a there's a reason that the Democrats are pushing all of these things. They have essentially no rules, right? And that's because their ideas are so awful that no one would vote for them. But now I want to talk about a little bit of an election that was done right. Okay, I mean, Anil Mathai, the chair of CD7, was kind of tweeting there because he had colored envelopes or colored pieces of paper for the voting. He said he didn't pay for that. I was going to ask you, Anil, did we not, did we miss getting paid for our vote? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But wanted to bring up, if, I think I saw him enter the Zoom room, Jimmy Mack. Jimmy, if you're there, voila. I see you. Hey, Jimmy, thank you for your Hi. time today. How are you doing? We, we spent a lot of time together Saturday, huh? Yes, we did. And I appreciate you and Chuck having me back on your show. Every time you're gracious enough to invite me to your show, I always have the exact same two thoughts. First of all, I'd love to go back on their show. And secondly, I wonder who canceled. 
Yeah, no, yeah. Wait no, a second. No, we're we desperate. Actually, we're we actually desperate. revamped the show today. Our producer, our producer, and Neil Mathai. Because there are a couple of reasons. Because one, I think this is pertinent for the state assembly coming up. But um, can you explain? Because you're not in CDA, right? But you were part of the committee that helped to count the votes. There were some, what, over four, roughly roughly 400 delegates there. I think maybe not quite 400. I think um, that's right. Yes, yes. Um, and, and so we voted for various CD8 positions like um, Board of Regents, um, Board State of Board of Education, and then Congress. And, then Congress. And, and, um, and you were, you, you had no dog in this race, right? You were just there um, as part of an impartial person to help do the counting. Why don't you explain to folks how it worked and then how it went? Okay, very good. Uh, well, um, I just feel like, like you said, uh, Julie, it, re- it went really well. And I think the whole thing went well because of the way it was designed. Right. Anil Mathai, the new chairman of CD8, and uh, for the, I'm sure most or all of your uh, viewers and listeners are, are aware that this is this was a very historic right uh, a congressional assembly because this was the very very first assembly ever for this brand new congressional district and Anil Mathai is the newly elected chairman of the new newly created uh, congressional uh, eighth congressional district and by design he wanted to invite people to be part of the teller committee who were kind of outsiders as it were um, people that he knew and people that he knew he could trust but they were also in his words people that didn't have skin in the game they they didn't want to have you know, people from who, who, who were working on a certain a candidate campaign. campaign. Right. Yes. You know, and so uh, I will tell you, I was uh, not the chairman of the teller committee. I was whatever, I guess the vice chairman, uh, uh, Peg K. I will give 100% of credit to Peg Cage for coming up with this simple, but 100% effective way of counting the votes. Right. This and let me was, people, by the way, this was a paper ballot and paper it was ballot. there. There were no machines. There was no anything. No clickers. No clickers. No right. machines. Exactly. It was a paper ballot. And there were yes. a bunch of races and we had a time limit and it all got done on time. And so, okay, so go ahead. Well, I, I call it the, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, the glass box method of voting because from the time you filled out your ballot, and it's like you said, we had a different color ballot, for a paper ballot for every race. We had, uh, I think, three different races, and we were prepared to do others if there was like a runoff or whatever. But uh, so you didn't know when you got, when you walked in as a delegate, you didn't know which color ballot was going to be used. Anil announced that from the podium. Uh, from, just, from, just, yeah, just before, before the voting. Just before, just right. before. And so from the moment you cast your ballot, let's say for for Congress, you wanted to vote for, for Jane Doe for Congress, you wrote that name down and you personally, by hand, put this in, I, I, I call it a glass box, uh, to be fair. It was a plastic, <laughs> transparent box and you could see inside of it. And that never ever ever left the eyesight the view of the audience 
Well, and then we had one other thing too, what you guys did, because what they did is they had the boxes were there and then there were people from the the teller, the counting committee basically standing there and you verified that everybody who was voting was a legitimate voter. They had to have a badge. That's correct. When you checked in. And so that's correct. Even if somebody had a bunch of color coded cards, I mean, you still had to have the badge. So you had to be a good cheater. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't Honestly, I don't know how you would cheat. I really don't. Uh, And the 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 little cherry on the on the ice cream float here was that the teller committee didn't then take these boxes of ballots off into another room out uh, away from everybody's sight. these were immediately carried up onto the stage the stage this was an auditorium full of delegates and they saw every single thing that the teller committee did and as we were counting these ballots and tallying up the the totals, it was on stage. Everyone saw everything we did. How many we, counters did you have? We had uh, three tables of six, so that would and be. So how'd eight. you count? The, how'd you count the bells? I mean, we okay. We took the 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 big boxes from the audience, from the delegates, and those the count the contents of each of those were separated just by hand into smaller glass boxes that you could still th- see through. And uh, every we had teams of people. Uh, we had teams of three people. The the middle person was pulling out one ballot at a time, and he would say, "John Smith." And so the person to his right and the person to his left would each put a tally mark for John Smith. He would then pull out another. Uh, this is uh, Mary Jones. So they would each give a tally mark to Mary Jones. At the end, hypothetically, theoretically these two numbers will match if they didn't we did the whole process over again and so it was just a very simple matter of mathematics to add them all up we've got some questions here so let me answer so sandra's like verified by driver's license no um sandra the way it worked is in order to be a delegate you had to be a registered voter a registered republican and then you got a badge that verified that you were a delegate and you had to be elected a delegate you had to be elected but i mean it was so you didn't your driver's license you'd already been elected the delegate you did have to show your driver's license so when you checked in i guess i'd say that to get your badge badge, and then peg for folks who don't want to know peg put the um instructions on a website um, and I see, and then Dr. Donner, you've got a question and Peg is going to come on here in about two minutes mm-hmm. and make that announcement. So Peg also has an announcement, but Jimmy, here's the thing too. Um, and then, well, just let me go back. How long did it take you right, to count no, each okay. of the, each of the tabulations? Well, it honestly didn't take long because no. of the numbers. Now, if this were, if this process were to be done, let's say for instance, oh, I don't know, this coming Saturday at the state assembly, clearly we would have to have a, a larger team of people, but we were on stage literally counting these ballots while Anil was conducting his business right. from the, the podium, and it didn't take too long. There was a couple of times he had to kind of stretch and, and uh, kill some time. <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, no, there was one he, time he asked. if you did, I mean, you could, you, you, how, how many counters did you have? Uh, I would say 18. And then we had uh, two or three others that were walking around kind of watching and supervising. Well, and let me point out too, each of the candidates also could have people go up. And I saw many of them did and stand yes. there and watch the counting. So yes, ma'am. Very good point. Very good point. Yes. It would, the candidates could go and. Well, and it could be just as fast. Uh, and it really took about seven, 10 minutes is what it took. Yes, that's correct. Um, yeah. And, you know, you could have exactly the same amount of time if you had 10 times the amount, because you're going to have 10 times the voters down the thing. 
or right. it could take 20 minutes, which wouldn't be bad at all. If, right. if you had, if you had uh, five times the number, but in either way, you know, there, there are lots of people willing to help with accounting and, and it just seems amazing that, that, uh, well, the, and then the Republican all, Party is always trying to get us used to whatever the Democrats well, want to Well, and in the meantime, too, I imagine that those slips of paper, so if somebody, say if a candidate had a question, and they're like, I just can't believe I lost by that much, or whatever, right. they could come back, and they could, I'm assuming, say, let me see, right? And, and yes. I mean, they, it's all right there, right? They could and do that was, to, today, or tomorrow, or next week, or whenever. So I'm assuming that Anil probably then preserved those, unlike We've had other times in the Colorado Republican Party where like, oh, our dog ate them or we threw them away. We don't have them anymore. So That's right. They were thrown out 12 seconds after the That's vote. That's right. Um. All right. Well, Jimmy, thank you for coming on. You can stay on if you want, but I want, because Dr. Don, or Dr. Donna, Peg Cage, I saw come on um, too. Peg, if you're there, if you want to unmute yourself and, and bring your, bring your uh, loveliness up. Loveliness up. So there it is. We're good. We're good. We've got about eight minutes left. So there's time. So number one, congratulations on this system. Um, but Thank secondly, you. I want to talk about because you know, this was the way it was done. It was done right. Um, we were talking to John Lott Jr. before, you know, who has raised some questions about elections um nationally. Um, I you know, but Peg, you are a denier. That's what you're saying. You're a denier, a denier, a denier. Probably, um, so probably. all of the deniers are gonna have a debate tonight. Um yes, inquiring minds want to know. Why don't you tell us about that real quick? So tonight, uh, we, I had been to a, um, uh, just a presentation with Colonel Sean Smith talking about the lack of integrity of our, our elections. And it was at a place where Matt Crane was also present. And after Sean Smith told his qualifications for making the claims that he was making and he claimed exactly what he had seen as he was doing his research. Um, Matt Crane came from the back of the room and he was the former um, county clerk of Arapahoe County. And then he is the current executive director, right, of the County Clerks Association. And his wife, by the way, either currently or at least used to work for Dominion Voting System. Sure. 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 He's good friends with Wayne Williams and and, uh, they were in on the changing the definition of ballots cast so that they could make pretend that the numbers in equals the numbers out because it's the county clerk who actually cast your ballots, not you. So anyway, Matt Crane was yelling from the back of the room that Sean Smith was, um, you know, an election denier or whatever, and that (laughs) that we have redundancies in the system. So there wouldn't be any kind of uh, way for anybody to commit any kind of fraud. So um, Sean Smith said, hey, I challenge you to a debate anytime, anywhere. And that is what I put together for tonight. And I just got word from Matt Crane that he will not be in intent in attendance because the time for debate is over. And it's oh, over. Oh, oh, there you go. There you go. Time for debate is over. I love that. Over because that. you stupid deniers keep coming up with evidence. And so we don't want to debate it. It's not oh, that the time for debate special. is over because it's been settled. Uh, the time oh, for debate man. is over because oh. there are questions about it. 
Well, that's, that's right. one way to win a debate. It's that's the way. I mean, I try to do that with Chuck. I'm like, Chuck, the time for debate is over. <laughs> it's over. It's over. He says, if there's any evidence of fraud or wrongdoing, we encourage you, Sean or others, to provide it to a law to in law enforcement so that a real investigation should happen. Oh, I know. Oh, so we can send it to Phil Weiser, the Phil state Weiser, agent. Phil Weiser, yeah. He'll get right on it. Or, or maybe Jenna Griswold. Jenna Griswold. The partisan hack Even though talking to Jenna Griswold is a crime. Right, right. And <laughs> actually, you're absolutely right there. If you were to try to present this to Phil Weiser under the new bill they're trying to present to, right. to vote, you would then be arrested on scene, on site for presenting it in that's the first right. place. What? Right. Well, I mean, that kind of sums it up all right there. This is what I say to any of you people who don't want to have any questions about the election, come to a debate. Just hear it. If yeah. we're wrong, if we if you have answers to the questions we're asking, answer them. And then we'll say, okay, I guess we do have the gold standard. Or if not, then maybe you could right. say, well, maybe there are some questions. So right. Well, so tonight we will have uh, Colonel Sean Smith and uh, Data Jeff will be there and they will answer the questions that Matt brought up in his letter to the ah. General Assembly. And he, they will just bring forward the problems that, they, you know, the county clerks are asking for proof. We'll, right. we'll give it tonight. And there you go. There, well, I so mean, that's the, a, infor the information about the webs about the debate is okay. at mycoloradogop.org. There's a link there to see the debate live streamed at seven. And if you are in the Greeley area and you want to come and see it in person, um, you can, at this point, you're going to have to, um, yeah, just email me. It's reclaim at mycoloradogop.org. And do it quick because I'm going to head up to Greeley here pretty soon. <laughs> they're they're going to have food, food at five and, and then we're going to have the debate starting right at seven. So, and so just to clarify, so folks understand. So what happened is there have been some people in Colorado who have been raising questions and presenting what they consider to be evidence right. supporting the asking of the questions. Right. At a recent meeting, Matt Crane, who's a rhino um, extraordinaire, extraordinaire um, basically was at the You're debate. Kind. Well, yeah. shouting out questions. So everybody, so, so Sean Smith said, okay, fine, let's have a debate. You right. set up the debate. And then today, right. mere hours before the debate, Matt Crane said he's not going to show up to debate because there is no ability, there's nothing to debate. Right? right. Time for time debate, for is, debate over. is over. Time, time, right. time for crooking the next election is now. That's right. It's now. Hey, 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 yeah, Sandra asked, are you going to tape it and have it available at My Colorado GP? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, My yes. GP. Now, have you had any of those county clerks who had that out, outraged, ho horrified news conference yesterday saying, bring us the evidence? Have any of them called up to say, hey, what, what is this debate or how can I watch it? Or has any of them contacted you to uh, try to get some of the evidence that they said there is none of? Well, uh, Julie, I'm going to say no, but I'm going to give that a, uh, I, you know, I give them grace because i did not specifically send it to all of the county clerks i sent the invitation to every one of the people in the general assembly who got matt crane's original letter so that they could have the answers to to his questions and um they could attend if they wanted well that's great Perfect. that's that's all super. right peg thank you and um, thank you also though that you know peg i'll just say this live you know we should try to, everybody wants funds, but we should try to raise a little money to get John Lott 
Jr. to do analysis, uh, the similar analysis that he did in in and uh, some of those other states in, and look at and look at look at Colorado. And I think I think you'd find the same the same sure. uh, kind of patterns. Well, sure. and again, and, my and thing you is, know, we're raising money for the lawsuit and we have right. our first hearing tomorrow. So I that's yeah. right. Yeah. So it could be that's the, the opt out law. So we'll report on there's so much we're going to we're going to have to expand our show. I know. And the rally at the Capitol. So. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There is one. yeah exactly. there's a great rally there. And Mike Lindell will be there, won't he? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. okay. Now, real quick, then, from when when we got when is that and where is that and how could people find out about it's that? It's at noon at the Capitol, and I think you'll have to go on America's Mom to find out about that. I just okay. with with the uh, thing on Saturday, I haven't had time to you're really. Just, you've been a little busy. Okay, Sandra saying Sharona Bishop will already will will be there. Oh as yeah. Well. All right. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for designing a great voting system in CDA. No, I thought it was a great coup to show. You know, it isn't that hard to count by. It's not. It's not. It was uh, Robert's Rules of Order and the Taiwan system. I had a guy from Taiwan call me and tell me that's how they did it. So Well, and I think in a great thanks to Anil Mathai. Absolutely. Um, set that all up. Transparency. And- and he like he put on here. He, he was listening. And says he preserves and, and, the votes. Wait, he preserves the votes for a year. Yeah. So what what a concept. Right? And a lot of thanks to me. Yeah. Um, because one guy came up and said, "Where are these interlopers? These non CDA people doing being <laughs> our teller committee? How dare they?" And I I got up and and defended everybody. So we got an you overwhelming did. vote. You for do. the uh, for the teller. Okay, right, and real quick, I want to see Cody LeBlanc who made it on. Thank, thank you. For, I'm glad you're listening, Cody. Thank you. Maybe I have to have you back on, Cody. Just just so you know, contact me. You've got an open invitation um, for um, state board. Right. Yeah, he made yeah. it onto the ballot. He yes. is listening and says, yes, thank you, Anil. Um, so, Cody, anytime you want to come on, you're welcome to come on our show. We're out of time, though, now. Thank you, Peg. Thank you, Jimmy. Um, thank you, John Lott, the great guys at BBS. He's great. Um, His dad is wonderful. Yes, yes. 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 And thank you, all the listeners and people. And uh, we'll have a full report on Wednesday. That's right. And hey, everybody know just you can always catch the podcast, all the links to whatever your podcast choice. You can go to Rumble or to uh, chuckandjulie.com is the best way. And we'll see you all on Wednesday. Take care. See you guys then. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.